This never gets old. It never gets old to look out at all of these graduates on an occasion of such formality in which here we are all dressed up because something big is happening here. And all across America, there are commencements in which they say something big is happening here, but it's not big like what's happening here. What's happening here is of eternal consequence. What's happening here will determine whether or not persons who have not yet heard the gospel of Jesus Christ will hear that gospel and believe in Christ and be saved. What happens here has everything to do with whether or not churches are rightly fed by the milk and meat of the word of God. What happens here has everything to do with whether or not Christians are rightly directed, lives rightly discipled into faithfulness under the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's much more represented here. And that's just a part of the mystery of this moment. This kind of moment does have a very long academic pedigree. That's why we're wearing such strange costume. Every bit of what we are wearing means something to someone. If you're an insider, you know exactly what you're looking for. The colors mean something. The patterns mean something. You see schools, you see degrees. So what do we see before us? Lots of black. It's the color of the scholar. We see lots of red, which is the color of theology. This is the graduation of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. That third word is of such crucial importance. And today we're going to see the awarding of many, many degrees, among them the highest degrees in all of theological education. We're also going to see ministers of the gospel graduate in a progression of faithfulness that begins when the Holy Spirit moved in their hearts to call them and when the people of God affirmed that call and when that call summoned them to prepare for a lifetime of ministry and now as that lifetime of ministry beckons to them. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, how can your heart not be happy just to see this? I, I want to say this not in a spirit of controversy, but just because it's true. Dead churches and dead denominations don't produce this. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ produces this. Godly churches produce this. Faithful pastors preaching the word of God in season and out of season produces this. But ultimately, it is the Holy Spirit of God who gives us this. That's what makes us happy. But we're not just unconditionally happy. There's a not happy part to this too. And that is because we have grown to know and to love these graduates. What takes place in the reciprocity of teaching is something that both requires and produces affection. That's something that is a hallmark of this faculty. This faculty not only loves the Lord Jesus Christ, they not only love what they teach as a discipline, they love these students and they love the church. To teach and work within a school like this 
is continually to have some of the most incredible people brought by God to this campus and into this program only to see them go. And yet, don't get me wrong, you're here to go. The service is going to be over, and when it's over, you have a job to do. But this service is also important. It's important to you. It's important to your families. It's important to this faculty. It's important to all of us. Because more than anything else, it is not a celebration of human achievement. More than anything else, it's just visible evidence of the faithfulness of God. What we look forward to ultimately on that day when all things are made known is what the Lord to his glory has done through you. How the supremacy of Christ has been demonstrated through you. I want to direct our attention to one specific text of scripture. James, in chapter 5 of his letter, writes this, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Like so many of you, my early readings of scripture have been tremendously changed over time because my frame of reference has changed over time. It's one thing to read a text like that when you are 13. It's another thing to read a text like that when you are, oh, I'll just say a little bit older than 13. The word patience is so clear in this as an exhortation. Now we know something about James and the way he wrote his letter. Not a lot of transitions. There are immediately before these verses, verses that are warning the rich. Immediately following is a commandment against using oaths. What is between warnings to the rich and oaths? An exhortation to patience. Be patient therefore brothers until the coming of the Lord. Just, just think of those words. In the economy of just those few words, patience is commanded, but because of what? Because of whom? Looking for what great promise is the coming of the Lord. Notice how the text continues. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. The farmer plants, waits for the rain, the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Then comes a, a very strange text to us, a very strange sentence. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Establish your hearts. That's a part of the exhortation that, that 
we voice to these graduates as you get ready to go out into the fields of ministry and as you are already deployed and as you look for decades of faithfulness ahead because that's the great promise of the church. It's not what is ending here, but what is beginning here. So establish your hearts. Settle your hearts on Christ and on the fact that he is coming. The coming of the Lord is at hand. Evidently, in the beginning of this passage that we just considered and throughout, evidently it is really, really important that Christians in general and ministers of the gospel in particular, we have full confidence that the Lord is coming. He's coming to establish his kingdom. He's coming to fulfill all things. You know, we're in grave danger if we attempt any form of Christian ministry under any conditions without that eschatological frame before us at all times. One of the great temptations is to have now what is not given to us now. Or to live in fear that somehow Christ's purposes will not be fulfilled. The exhortation here is that we settle ourselves, that we establish our hearts, knowing that all things in the name of Christ for the gospel will be fulfilled. On the great day of the Lord, there will not be one faithful sermon that will be found fallow. There will not be one promise that will not be completely, gloriously fulfilled. There will be such fulfillment of all things that every eye will be dry and every tear will be wiped away. But James is writing this against the background of the fact that that's not yet. Between the already and the not yet, he calls for patience. Now, I mentioned to you that I had to change the way I understood this text. Because I can remember reading through the Bible for the first time. And I can remember reading it over and over and over again. When I first read this, I thought about patience the way a 13-year-old thinks about patience. It's really a patience about when can I do this? When can I do that? Mom, when are we going to eat? That is not the patience James is talking about here. I mean, we're called to that patience as well. But that's not the apostolic concern. Notice the context. The context is ministry, the work of the church. Context is also persecution and suffering. The context is the arduousness of the work of Christ. The, the context is the opposition that comes to the preaching of the gospel. The, the context is the fact that there are so many throughout the two millennia past of the Christian church who have preached the gospel faithfully and often suffered persecution and have died. James says that's okay. James says that's actually God's plan. We're called to steadfastness. We're called to be patient. We're called to look to the example of Job. Now, it's just like James to throw Job at us. 
Think of the example of Job. This is not the example I would choose. If I were choosing an example from the Old Testament to think about how God's blessings would be evident to me, I would not choose to be Job. It's just an honest statement. I am greatly inspired at the end of the book by the testimony of Job. What he has learned about the sure and certain promises and purposes of God. We're actually called to model ourselves on the steadfastness of Job and to rest in the purpose of God, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So graduates of the Southern Seminary class of 2023, you know this, the Lord is compassionate and merciful. If the Lord were not compassionate and merciful, this institution would not be here. You would not be sitting here. We would not be about to distribute these degrees and diplomas, and this great cloud of witnesses would be somewhere else. It's by the Lord's compassion and mercy that we are here. And we are celebrating your being sent out only because we have absolute confidence in the Lord who is compassionate and merciful. I want you to know how humbling it is for me and the faculty to look to you and recognize that what we see right now in this moment, and I invite the congregation gathered here on this lawn to see what we see. We see faithfulness channeled into the lives of these servants of Christ, captured right now in a picture of all of them sitting together on this lawn. The poignancy is the fact that we will never see this picture again. There will never be exactly this gathering again. This is a one-time, one-moment, one-day picture of faithfulness and promise. But we are awaiting a commencement yet to come. When the trump shall sound and time shall be no more. This is such a great and glorious picture. Graduates, we love you. We're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for what the Lord will do in you, through you. We meet to part and part to meet when earthly labors are complete, to join in yet more blessed employ in an eternal word of joy, world of joy. Those words were written for the seminary hymn for this first commencement many, many years ago. At the end of this ceremony, we're going to sing it again. And remember, we really do believe in the promise. We meet to part, but part to meet when earthly labors are complete. So go. When we give you your diploma, get out of here. Do what God's called you to do. Let us please know of your ministry. Remember those who taught you. For those who taught you, remember you. Let us know what God is doing on your mission field, in your ministry, in your life, in your family.
gather together in part every once in a while insofar as it is possible until that great day when we see the faithfulness of Christ and the glory of God displayed, when we no longer part but meet. Let's pray. Father, we are just so thankful for all you've given us in your word as promise. Father, may we see in this class your glory in a way that will astound even the faithful, especially the faithful. We pray this in the name of the faithful one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.